The number of young people seeking help for mental health problems is growing. Thousands of Irish families have dealt with their local child and adolescent mental health service, known as CAMS. Some have had good experiences. Others, like Sarah and her teenage child, who has been in the care of CAMS for several years, have not. It hasn't been an easy experience. We had some self-harm and we had suicidal ideation to the point where they were looking up um, ways in which to kill themselves. What did CAMS do to help? Nothing. It was mentioned many times, but nothing was ever given to us to, to you know, how, how you deal with that. We just, we just deal with it ourselves. A damning report on how CAMS operates was published on Monday. One of the many issues uncovered had to do with location. Whether a child gets the right therapy often depends on where in Ireland they live. Sarah's family is one of the unlucky ones. My child is on medication and that seems to be the primary focus. There isn't anything else really that's very forthcoming. I think it should be child-centred, so depending on the child, play therapy, there's even sand therapy, a way to get the child kind of to engage. Who does that? It's left to the parents to do because there's actually nobody, there's nothing like that. Many other shortfalls are identified in the report. Poor monitoring of medication, children left unreviewed on antipsychotic medication for years. It's all leaving experts worried that we as a society are storing up big problems for the future. I I really fear for later years when this generation that has been left out on a limb grow into adulthood. I'm Bernice Harrison. This is In the News from the Irish Times. Today, why is CAMS failing our children? Sarah, your child, you know, are they explained to you how they're experiencing CAMS? Uh, in a nutshell, they don't like CAMS and they feel they're no help. And that's in their words. And uh, actually, I has even expressed a, why am I still going there? Because they're not doing anything. If I, if I could go into CAMS today and do something, I would raise it to the ground and start again. I would make sure that there, every CAMS team was staffed appropriately, that everybody had their, their proper jobs and that the whole thing was child-centred and involved the family and not just the way it is now, which is come in, have your meds, review your meds and off you go on your merry way until the next time we see you. Kitty Holland is the Irish Times social affairs correspondent. Kitty, this is a detailed report on five of the nine health areas providing CAM services. What have we learned from it? Well, we've learned that the system is at breaking point and having talked to psychiatrists who've been working within it, they say it's in massive crisis. Children are waiting a long time to get their first appointment. The people are having difficulty accessing the service, that when they get into the service, some are getting lost within the system. They're not getting adequate follow-up. Almost half are not getting adequate care plans. Um, There's insufficient review of medication. Some children have been left up to two years on serious antipsychotic medication without any kind of review. And when you think about the fact that these, these are children whose brains are developing, whose bodies are developing, 
developing whose reactions to medication may change. They may have an okay reaction in July, but be very seriously adverse reaction by September. One mother I spoke to said that, um, how can you be in, in a mental health service that makes your mental health worse? So children are, and their families obviously, are having adverse reactions, some might say, to being in camps in the first place. So it's there's a lot of difficulties and it comes down to staff shortages, governance issues, and a range of complex issues really that are affecting the service. And you've talked to some parents and their children mm. about their experience. Yeah, I, I spoke to four mothers last week. Um, one mother, I have to say, had a very good experience. It's interesting that she, um, her child was within Community Health Area 6, which um, this report, it doesn't actually name CHO Area 6, but we know that is the area. That's um, Dublin South East, Dunleary and North Wicklow, where they um, have a good service. The other four services, there are difficulties. And I spoke to mothers who are have children within those services. One mother, her daughter is now 19. She was referred five years ago into CAMS um, when she, she was um, self-harming. And she was told by CAMS that she was not serious enough to be admitted. She was referred on to Jigsaw. Within five, about five months later, she got the appointment with Jigsaw. Jigsaw is a low to moderate um, service for a low to moderate mental distress. And is that state funded? That's state funded. So it's sort of lower threshold than CAMS. Um, she was referred into Jigsaw. Within 10 minutes of that appointment, the counsellor said she's too high risk to be here. She needs to be, she's got suicidal ideation. She needs to be in CAMS. So she was then referred back into CAMS. She told me that the appointments were always rushed, that there was um, a sense of having to, you know, on to the next appointment, that she got very intermittent face-to-face appointments. A lot of it was kind of um, like homework to do at home on herself and that kind of thing. So she never really, she felt, got the um, support she needed. So after five years, they eventually really fearing that their daughter was going to um, take her own life. She had um, thought about throwing herself in front of a bus at one point. She was um, self-harming all over her body, um, they went private and she's now getting treatment. And um, that's one case. I spoke to another mother whose 12-year-old daughter is also self-harming and and taking alcohol. She's been told that, um, in her words, that it was a trend among young girls to self-harm like this. She was told by... By by camps. And they wouldn't take her following an intervention by her TD, Gardaí and Tuzla. She now has a care plan with CAMS um, and uh, she isn't being promised anything long term, but she has a short term care plan to manage the situation. That child is 12. And this is after that child's parent doing the absolute right thing, went to the GP, the GP referred. And so if that child had a broken arm and the GP said, actually, what you need to do now is you need to go and get an X-ray. That would happen that day. But because it's mental health. And one of the things the both psychiatrists who've worked in the system and GPs have told me is that getting into CAMS is very difficult. There's a kind of like uh, the referral is kicked back to the GP and told, you know, you need to go to community psychology or you need to go to um, the National Educational Psychological Service. The waiting lists for those are, you know, over a year in some cases. So there seems to be, there is a sense, though I, I don't know, if, you know, CAMS I'm sure, or the HSA I'm sure would dispute this, but there's a sense that CAMS are trying to push children away because to, to manage the numbers coming in. And there is there has been a big increase in children being referred. We have seen since the pandemic across the world, you know, heightened anxiety among children and I suppose other mental health issues have sort of come to the fore in, in a bigger way. 
Now, this, the report, the Mental Health Commission, I think, have to be congratulated because the report... I mean, it's a model of clarity. I think anybody could read it and understand the dire situation and how damning it is. I just picked out some words, the standout words for me are confusion, frustration, unsafe. That's not a word you want to see in relation to a health service. The patchwork of cover. So that is very depressing and distressing for parents realising they could live in the wrong area. If they only lived in another area, they'd get care. Poor quality or absence of care plans. I mean, is it going too far to say that CAMS, which is the state service for mental health, it's just not fit for purpose? It's certainly in massive crisis, um, I suppose, for some children. I mean, and it is important to say that, you know, they're, they're, they're seeing tens of thousands of children and young people every year. And the, and the tr- people working within it are, you know, they want to work there. It's very rewarding work, you know, when you can make a difference in a child's life. So the people within it, I suppose, are certainly fit for purpose. It's the system that is is failing them as well as, well as the children. And... You always have to put the caveat in that some children do very well when they go there, particularly in in Dunleary, Dublin South East and North Wicklow, uh, where the service is provided by St John of God's. But, I mean, can you imagine having a child who is mentally ill and in such distress that they are losing their lives in terms of the time and their interaction with their friends and developing, you know, their education. I mean, you do anything, anything, anything to help them. And, you know, you see parents going private who probably can't afford to. Um, um, and then obviously the ones who can't afford to are not going private. And they're the ones that are really getting, you know, the devastating impact. And, and they're the poorer families where often there are more stresses and more anxieties on the parents as well as the children. So it's, you know, it's, it's really, really, really tough on dozens, if not hundreds of thousands of families across the country in terms of the service they're getting from CAMS. It's, it's, it's not fit for purpose for them. Coming up, if CAMS isn't fit for purpose, can it be fixed? Welcome back to In the News. I'm Bernice Harrison. Before the break, you heard me talking to my colleague Kitty Holland about the failings in the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services, or CAMS, identified in a new report. But what should be done to address these failings? Kitty and I were joined by Roisin Clark, CEO of advocacy group Mental Health Reform. Roisin, in the the report we heard about lost cases. I mean, it sounds so hard. These are children who simply got lost in the system. Several of the the, the CAMS groups, they operate paper systems. It seems to be quite chaotic. But we heard medication not reviewed. Then children, of course, are aging out, which is going to obviously happen if the service only goes up to 18. Appointments not given, waiting. What is the impact of that on a child? I think of many of the issues that were raised in the report That is one that is really deeply saddening because there is a crucial window of opportunity to be accessed in a child or a young person's uh, development. And if it's not, if their intervention isn't there, that treatment and support isn't there at this window, it's not being addressed and the issues are being carried on later into life. And with mental health, it, it's it's all about recovery. It's about the supports. It's learning how to deal with your issues. And if those children that are being lost to care aren't being equipped with that information, the supports and those skills at this time, 
it's it's really long term generational potentially impact that they could be having. And in the report, I, I thought kind of interestingly, it says CAMS depends heavily on a model of care which places the onus on a single profession, the consultant psychiatrist, and all clinical responsibility rests with them. It says that this is outdated in international practice, which favours a more multidisciplinary approach. What do you make of that? I think when you equate the the chronic staffing shortages that we often hear as the reason behind a lot of the difficulties in the services. You have to ask yourself why alternative models aren't being looked at. So with multidisciplinary teams, the sole clinical responsibility lies with the psychiatrist. There are alternative models out there internationally. And indeed, I think Jigsaw operates an alternative model of a multidisciplinary team where there is shared responsibility. So therefore, you're taking that weight of responsibility and the capacity on one consultant's time and you're sharing it within the, the multidisciplinary team. So one would think that if staffing is, is high up there in the priority of issues that need to be addressed, that we'd be looking at alternatives and, and how we can do that internally. And yes, international practice has moved away from that one sole clinical point of responsibility within a multidisciplinary team. Because it's like a power pyramid, isn't it, in, in that sort of system where the clinical psychiatrist is at the top? Absolutely. And again, I think when we look at mental health from you know a, a team point of view, what every professional on that team brings to the, to the child or the young person is really, really important. And it's part of the wraparound services that, that can fill that gap and give those supports that a child can take away and bring with them outside of a consultation, you know. So I do think it's really, really time as part of addressing staffing issues to look at the, the, how um, multidisciplinary teams are comprised and governed as well. Kira is another mother we spoke to whose children, three of them, were engaged with CAMS over the years. My eldest, who is now diagnosed with ADHD, became involved with CAMS when she was 14 due to self-harming. It went down the route of kind of anxiety and depression, but she wasn't actually diagnosed with ADHD until we left CAMS. They did assess her, um, but they said she didn't have it. So she missed out on treatment and therapies. My feeling is that she didn't perform to her potential education-wise as a result of the ADHD not having been diagnosed. My youngest child, she was referred quite recently. She also suffers with anxiety um, and OCD. Her, her story is that she was felt to be in the moderate to severe category by her primary care psychologist who contacted the GP and suggested that a referral be made and CAMS decided without a psychiatrist having met her that she was not severe enough to enter the service. So she's been unable to access medication for her anxiety and um, OCD as a result because obviously the GP can't can't prescribe in, in, in kind of children's cases for psychiatric issues. I acknowledge, I suppose, that they're very poorly funded, they're under-resourced, um, any of the individuals that I've dealt with over the years in CAMS themselves have been wonderful people, very dedicated people. Um, and I, I just really think that the system is broken. I think the way it's set up, the way it's run doesn't work. But I, I really feel for the people who are working within it because I'm sure they're under extreme pressure and stress. 
the Thonish to Micheál Martin, he, he was reacting to the report and obviously, you know, he said it was concerning and, and so on. And he said that the numbers going forward for treatment have increased very significantly. Why is that? I think over the last number of years, I, I'm hesitant to always turn to the pandemic I think we sometimes use that as this umbrella term to explain everything. I think if we were to take a forensic look at it, we would see an increase in numbers of children and young people wanting to access mental health services in the years prior to the pandemic. But I think the pressures that people experienced then the falling away of access to services during the pandemic has created a kind of perfect storm, if you will, that has resulted in in the situation that we find ourselves in today. So I I think it's probably, it's a combination of those issues. And I think we have to recognise as well that the pandemic, yes, but also the society that we live in today is really creates quite high levels of anxiety in young people. Um, We see absolute skyrocketing figures in eating disorders. You know, these these cannot be solely attributed to the pandemic. There are broader societal issues, and I think the younger generations are bearing the brunt of them at the moment. And I think we're failing them massively by not supporting them but not allowing them the access to the care that they really need and I I really fear for later years when this generation that has been left out on a limb grow into adulthood and I, I just hope that we can act now to be able to putting that early intervention and support them when they really need it. Kitty could I just ask you the The report recommended, it was one of the recommendations in the report, it called for the immediate regulation of CAMS under the Mental Health Act. What does that mean and what would it mean for service users? What what does it mean for people trying to access the service, people in the service? What does it mean? Well, um, what it would mean for the Mental Health Commission, and you can kind of sense the frustration in the report. At one point they say they'll monitor the actions when they've escalated issues up to up the line in the HSE, but they've no legal power to enforce them. It It would mean that the Mental Health Commission has legal powers to enforce recommendations or, you know, make more than just calls into the ether. And that would be, I suppose, in the long term, that would be something that would um, give the these reports much more heft. Because at the moment, it's a very shocking read. Some would say not a surprising read, um, but it's a catalogue of, of failings, but without any legal um, enforcement power behind it. I, I think the report this week was so deflating. And as I said, I think we can all understand what the report means and how damning it is. But is there any, is there any chink of light in it? Is there any hope in that report? There is. And I think that it lies primarily with what we have been told are pockets of good practice, pockets of teams that are really doing great work. And of course, we do know from many parents that have accessed CAM services that they have been helped, they have been supported. So what we need to do now is to take the learnings from where things are working and to stop working in silos and to apply them across different areas. That way, let's start giving children 
the support and the access that they deserve. And that's their right. And that will really have a positive impact for them as they go on their mental health journey to recovery. But in order to do that, we need somebody with the authority and the positioning to have that oversight and accountability. Now, we know that um, there's been, in, in Budget 2023, there was a, a national lead for youth mental health approved. We have to expedite the filling of that post because until there is somebody with the sufficient authority and, and accountability and oversight to bring together the services right around the country, I, I think that we will still continue to work in silos. But the important thing about having that national level oversight is again, we, we've seen that there are um, really good pockets of practice. And there are people working so hard and wonderful work being done within CAMS. So we need to take that, those examples, and see how they can be implemented more broadly around the country. Okay, Roisin talked about she found some hope in that report. Kitty, I mean, what are, what are your fears for that report? Well, that yeah, the HSC has very entrenched systems. Um, it is very dysfunctional on many levels, and we've seen that across other areas. And that that there may be a doubling down, and um, you know, chipping away at the extremities of the problems without really getting down to the heart of the problems. And it, and that would be just so tragic because it is a very clear, hard hitting, damning report. It makes very clear w- what needs to be done. And we have to remember these are children. These are really sick children who are in distress and whose lives are being, you know, devastated and their families and their siblings' lives being devastated and people are so worried about them. So that would be the fear that they, they won't address it in the in the way that needs to be. But the, the hope would be that, that they would, as Roisin says, take the pockets of good practice where people have had good experiences and children have come out the other end, back with their friends, back in education, living their lives and with hope. To read all of Kitty Holland's journalism on social affairs, subscribe to the Irish Times at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. That's all for today. This podcast was produced by Declan Conlon and Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back on Friday.